fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. It's the day after Christmas and all through the house. Democrats are scurrying trying to kick Trump out. I've been on record a couple of times saying that the Democrats couldn't possibly be stupid enough to actually go through with impeachment. I mean, they know that the president would get acquitted, right? And, and the risks involved. I mean, what happens if Eric, uh, what was it, the, the whistleblower? Uh, it, what, what happens if he gets caught up? What happens if Adam Schiff and, and Schiff's staff and James Comey and James Baker and, and, and John Brennan and, and Joe and Hunter Biden, what happens if they get called up to testify? There's no way that this could happen. And then it, it happened. He was impeached. But is he really? My name is James C. Harris. Sit again for Glenn Beck. This is the Glenn Beck Program. This is the Glenn Beck Program. My name is James T. Harris, sitting in for Glenn Beck. I am a radio talker out of Phoenix, Arizona, at News Talk 550 KFYI. My show is called The Conservative Circus. I am the ringmaster, and we've been talking in impeachment up the wazoo forever the question is did you get what you wanted for christmas did nancy pelosi get what she wanted for christmas you know even though this is what i do i have to tell you when it came to impeachment i was naive it was my son who was in china at the time who said dad yeah um the democrats impeached president trump but but why then I try to explain to him, well, for no reason. They just don't like him. Well, what are they going to do with this? I'm like, well, now it goes over to the Senate. And then they have a trial. And then they call witnesses. And he goes, he said, Dad, they're not going to send us over to the Senate. He's in China. Dad, they're not going to send us over to the Senate. Why? Why? Because he's gonna, he'll get, you know, he won't get impeached. He's going to get acquitted. And I'm like, look, son, this is the way things are done. We have a process here. Once a president gets impeached, the articles of impeachment go over to the Senate. He's like, Dad, why would they do that? Because then it's all lost. Now it's all, there's nothing. I actually was starting to get upset with my number two. My, my, yeah, my number two. I said, all right, son, I'll look into it. <laughs> he was right. Nancy Pelosi is sitting on the articles and I I am not going to do her send these over until I get guarantees that the Senate's going to do X, Y, and Z. You mean to tell me Nancy Pelosi was looking for a quid pro quo? Wow. Well, where does it go from here? I don't know, because the Democrats are busy breaking the rules. But what I do know is this. Well, anyway, I guess they're trying to pressure some senators to, you know, to cross over. And I think Murkowski over there from Alaska, I think she's talking crazy overnight. I don't know if I like the way Mitch McConnell. Shut, shut it, lady. Stop it. So we'll see what happens with the uh, with the Senate or what comes next or what. If Nancy Pelosi has any leverage, she doesn't. But we'll have to watch this. 
The telephone number is 888-727-BECK. Let's go to, is this uh, Joseph? Joseph in Texas, welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. Good morning, Mr. Harris. How are you? Fantastic. Hey, I can tell by, I've been listening to you for a couple hours. I usually, um, I haven't listened to Beck for a couple weeks because I've been traveling. But my point is this. Um, I can tell you're a man of faith in some of the way you articulate yourself with some of the phrases you use. I look at it like this. We all know, us common folk, and I'm just a middle-class type of guy working in the oil field, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I, it reminds me of Psalm 1 and Psalm 2. They're trying to set a trap for Donald Trump and all us deplorables, et cetera, that are conservatives and believe in fiscal responsibilities, et cetera. They're going to fall into their own trap and fall on their own sword. It just reminds me of those that think evil is good and good is evil. They're destroying themselves. I believe that they're so confused because they don't practice civility. They, they're absolute hypocrites, in my opinion. And I know I'm not the only one in Texas that thinks this way. I appreciate everything you guys do. I just thought that I, I just pray for the administration. I don't care what Donald oh. Trump did 10 years no. ago or anything of that nature. So, yes. Go ahead, sir. We, yes, pray, sir. we pray for uh, on the conservative circus. Last segment on Fridays, we pray to Jesus on behalf right. of the president of the United States, his administration, his family right. who have been under withering attack. And I, I'm like you and many others. People will try to look at morality or virtues or character and all this kind of stuff. I, I don't know about all that. All I know is this. I think that Trump, President Trump is not necessarily a man after God, but he's God's man. And he's been doing things that have been absolutely tremendous for this country. And there have been millions of people who have been lifted out of poverty because of his common sense uh, initiatives. And, and like you, I agree. I used to have Psalms 1 memorized, but it was a uh, blessed yeah. is the one who does not walk in the step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or take a sit, sit, seat in the company of mockers, but who delight, yes, whose delight is in the law of the Lord. And they meditated on it day and night. Well, yeah. Uh, and people who do that, Joseph, uh, they look at all of the buffoonery and the silly, silliness and the straight out evil that's pouring out of that TV set from our so-called news media. And we move closer to President Trump. Uh, uh, yes, exactly. Thank you very much for the call. Yeah. What else are we going to do? I mean, I'm not going to be fearful. Because, I mean, we just celebrated the birth of, of Jesus Christ, Jesus the Christ, the king. And the angels told the, the shepherds, that fear not, I bring you great tidings of joy. So we have the wonderful opportunity to fight on behalf of our liberties, but we can count on a higher power. We don't have to pull out our guns and start shooting. Yet. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Do we have another caller? We have Joseph in Utah. Joseph, welcome to the Glenn Beck program. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Mr. Harris, for taking my call. I just wanted to let you know how refreshing it is to hear you and to hear your expressions, your your compassion. The, the story about uh, Charlie Brown in the beginning. It really touched my heart. It really did, man. I just uh, I want to tell you how much I appreciate you and that I love you. I love you, man. You're the greatest. 
Joseph, thank you very much. That is a very, very kind call. That was very, see, um, you, you know, don't make me cry on national, on national radio. This is my second time in here, and you getting all emotional now. <laughs> thank you very much for the call. I appreciate it. If you want to weigh in on the Glenn Beck program, it is 888-727-BECK. And what Joseph was talking about is on the first segment we opened up, we talked about, um, we talked about the uh, Christmas. We talked about how how network television, you know, the media, it's all aligned against us. It's all aligned against Christianity. Is there a, a war? But a little over fifty years ago, on the Charlie Brown special, uh, we had Charles Schultz, who's the creator of the artist, said we have to make this about something. We have to make this mean something. So they made it about Christmas, and they talked about uh, Luke. They they quoted Luke, the the announcement, and it still has an impact to this day. Roger, Roger in Pennsylvania is waiting to get on the Glenn Beck program. Hey, James, how you doing? Fantastic. Hey, uh, when you were talking about, uh, about liberals grouping people together, it, it brought to mind a, a story that I, I experienced back in 2016 during the safety pin era. And uh, what happened was, I, yeah, you remember after uh, Trump was elected, all these uh, liberal people were walking around with safety pins on their lapel so that people would know, so that people of color and of different faiths would know <laughs> that they were safe to be around. <laughs> you know what? You I had forgotten that? about that. <laughs> this, they were human safe spaces. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, wow. exactly. And, and, and what wound up happening was at the time, I was taking an online, online uh, master's course, and what it, what it was is one of these courses that, they actually had a physical class going, and you could zoom into it. Mm-hmm. And um, and so what happened was after the election, it was the first session after the election, all these white liberal uh, folks were coming in with safety pins on. Well, the, cl- the actual class was in Philadelphia. So there was a lot of um, African-Americans who were attending as well. And what wound up happening is somebody asked you know, you know, these people, what's this with the safety pins? And they explained to them that because of Trump's election, that uh, these were to let people of color know that they were safe people to be around. And the African-Americans in the class just were totally incensed because they felt that they were being so talked down to that Mm -hmm. we we need to seek out a person with a safety pin to feel safe. This is how liberals uh, think of Americans of African descent. This is uh, what that story right there. And thank you very much for sharing it speaks volumes about the left and how they think of uh, uh, Americans of African descent, uh, people of color in general. It's 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 indicative of a wider issue. It goes even goes back to and thank you very much for the call. I appreciate you. Uh, uh, it goes back to an experience that I had. Here's another story, story time. <laughs> As a high school teacher, uh, my students demanded that I tell them stories. That's They would try to divert me away from giving the lesson. I was a high school teacher for 10 years, and then I was a speaker before I got into radio. 
but I would weave the lessons into the stories that I was telling. So that the, uh, the children, you know, would, I fooled them into learning. Uh, and to be able to get into that position, though, I had to swallow a big fat pill. And that pill was the concept that I was an affirmative action hire because I was the first American of African descent school teacher in that school. And the conversation that I had with the superintendent of the schools who hired me was pretty amazing. And I want to share that with you up next. My name is James T. Harris sitting in for, for Mr. Beck. This is the Glenn Beck program. My name is James C. Harris, sitting in for Glenn Beck. This is the Glenn Beck program. When I was a uh, young man, I wanted to travel, just loved traveling. And I, all we would do is go back and forth to Mississippi, but I would use my imagination. I was like Speed Racer in the Mach 5. And I, we, were, we were driving all over the world. That's how I used my imagination. Well, we didn't have games. We didn't have the, you know, the TV set in the back of the headrest. I'm still bitter about that, but still. So as I grew older, I had the opportunity to, to travel, and I did. I, I studied overseas. I studied in England for a year. I went across uh, Europe, Eastern Europe. When it was still Eastern Europe, I just stayed it myself. I remember when the wall came down. It was a year after my, my, uh, one of my trips. I had the opportunity to travel through India and uh, the Middle East. By the time I got to the Middle East, I took my sons along. I was really into traveling. It's just an amazing thing because you learn by seeing, you learn by doing, and then you can go back and read about it, or you can read about it first and go back and do it. My son has carried on a tradition. He's, he's a traveler in the family, uh, right? My baby girl wants to, but she's baby girl. We're not going to let her go. Why? No. <laughs> baby girl, no. My son's married, so he doesn't have to worry about that. He's not going anywhere. Actually, they do travel. Traveling has really, really opened up a whole new world to me. And when I was a high school teacher, I had done a decent amount of traveling. So that opened the door for me to be a world history teacher. I heard about this job when I was in Chicago, but the job was in Wisconsin, Brown Deer, Milwaukee. And so I overheard uh, these administrators talking about an open position. So I strategically went to the place, walked in, and dropped an application. It didn't take very long. Um, as an American of African descent, as a high school teacher, we're a commodity. There's not too many of us. So you're going to try to scoop. My my uh, transcripts were fantastic. They had the travel experience on it. They put me through a test called the Perceiver. The Perceiver test is a long test. And I apparently I did very, very well on it. So the superintendent, he didn't screw around at all. He offered me a contract on the second meeting. I don't even think I filled out an application. To be quite <laughs> don't know if I should have shared that. But yeah. So he hired me. I was excited. And then he closed the office door. He said, I want to talk to you about something. Sit down. And he said, um, you're going to be up against something because people are going to think that you got this job solely because you're black. I said, why am I going to think that? Why would they think that? Well, because you're the only black teacher in the school now. Welcome aboard. And I'm like, well, why are you telling me this? 
He said, I'm telling you this because you did not get this job because you're black. You got this job because you're qualified, immensely qualified, surprisingly qualified. So whenever you get that vibe where somebody is stupid enough to say that to your face, I just want you to understand that this is the culture. Well, I, I uh, thanked him for his candor. And it didn't take very long before that was exactly what I experienced. But that's not something I was new at because when I was student teaching, I taught in a little town called West Bend. And I was the first black person in the school period. <laughs> it was two schools put together, thousands of kids. And they were not shy. While I was interviewing, and the, you know, the bell rang and they were passing classes, one kid yelled out, hey, ninja! You know, the N-word. And the guy I was interviewing with, I know he heard it. I knew he heard it, but he didn't say anything. We continued to tour. Then we sat down for the formal interview part. Then he said, you know what? I got to tell you something. I just want you to know I heard that. And if you would have told me before this that I would ever hear anything like that here, I wouldn't believe it. Now I have to face the fact that we got a culture issue here. I just want you to know that I heard it. He didn't apologize. He didn't grovel. He just acknowledged that it existed. And in that moment, I knew this is where I want to work. And I want that kid in my class because that's learned behavior. That half a year I was in that school was profound. And I still hear from some of those students today. And that was, that was, that was a little while ago. <laughs> that was a little while ago. What I'm trying to tell you good people is this. We live in a fantastic country. And yes, we have our warts. We have our, we have our isms. But it's only racist if you want it to be. And even when it is racist, you have more control over the situation than you think. Just a little bit of a diversion there because of a, a wonderful telephone call into the Glen program when we return I just want to give you a reason why I think that we are not experiencing a coup with this impeachment drive and now they're talking about doing more impeachment uh, the resistance movement not only among the left and the, the media and uh, half of the establishment uh, Republican Party what we're watching here is a cold civil war and things are not going to improve until we recognize what we are up against and we engage it on that level my name is james t harris i am a conservative radio talker out of phoenix arizona this is the glenn beck program You're listening to Glenn Beck. My name is James T. Harris, and I am sitting in for Glenn Beck. This is the Glenn Beck program. 
one of the things that I loved uh, as a teacher is uh, we teach these battles. And we would teach. I would try to share, show the students that we have a shared history. We talk about the Civil War. A lot of folks think it was fought over slavery. It didn't start out that way. But it ended up that way. There are lots of lessons that we can learn in our shared history. By the time we work ourselves up to what's happening uh, with, well, actually, we never got ourselves up to the present. Most history teachers don't tell you the truth about the whole situation. You make it up to World War II, maybe Korea War, and then it's over. <laughs> That's generally how it goes. But with the Civil War, so many lessons, and I think they're starting to be repeated. The telephone number, if you want to weigh in, 888-727-BECK. We've been told that what we've experienced is a coup, a soft coup. I used to say that it was a soft coup, a silent coup. But what is a, what does the word coup mean? Well, you look it up, it's a, a sudden, decisive exercise of force in politics. But uh, what we're watching, there's nothing sudden about it. This is premeditated. We need to ask the question, what would a modern civil war look like? Would tanks be rolling down the street in Washington, D.C.? Would missiles be targeted at Congress? Would we have armed forces storming the White House or the Capitol building? No. However, when you consider the fact that this is a civil war, we've got something going else going on. I think a civil war today would look like treason. When a group, no matter how large or small, decides it wants to step beyond the constitutional means for changing the government and changing it to fit their own ideas of government and superimpose those ideas on everybody else, well, we have a true conflict. And if that conflict cannot be resolved to their satisfaction, and they decide to overthrow it and replace it with their own views or ideas, we have a war. And we have those circumstances playing out right now, right in front of our face. We can define a civil war as a conflict or a competition uh, between political factions or, or regions of a country. Where you have one region trying to take over governance without due process. But if you look at what we call the deep state, if you look into their actions, is there any doubt of what they were trying to do? We've got bureaucrats who are trying to overthrow the duly elected government and replace it with their own. They're trying to reshape it into the, what government should look like. <laughs> and they're relentless. They're not going to stop. What we're seeing with Mr. Trump is is a Gettysburg, a bloody battlefield, but just another battlefield. It's not a coup, and it's not soft, and it's not silent. And if we don't see this as war, we're going to lose. It doesn't matter what you think about President Trump. He was elected 
it should have been a peaceful transfer of power. It has not been. The very people who ridicule President Trump say, well, will you accept the uh, the results of this election? Well, I have to wait and see how it turns out. Oh, 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 oh. Now you have Hillary Clinton. You have uh, uh, members of the Obama administration, former uh, administration. You've got CNN. You've got ABC, CBS, NBC, PBS, MSNBC, and half of Fox all aligned to remove this man from, from power based on what? Based on the fact that they don't like him. Now, it's actually more serious than that. Based on the fact that this man is fundamentally changing our country. He's, he, for someone who's supposed to be a renegade, he really is very constitutional. And he is putting constitutionalists on the court. And that is what really has them freaked out. You saw how the left reacted to Kavanaugh. If Ruth Bader Ginsburg, God bless her, if Jesus calls her home, Katie, bar the door. It's about the courts. It's about uh, the fact that this president has come in and demonstrated to the establishment that you can do these things and it doesn't take 50 years to get them done. He's demonstrated how easy it is. If you believe in what you're doing. And for that, or if you believe in what you're doing and you have the support of the American people, he's done this with, with none of the Democrats and like a third, uh, two thirds of the Republicans. We need to understand that there is a civil war going on. We can see it in how people, you know, are afraid to wear the red hat. Afraid to speak in favor of this president. It is a civil war, but I do believe we're going to win. Because we've got truth. Justice. And it is the American way. Oh, I just made a little Superman thing, didn't I? Uh, we have Ernie. Where's Ernie? Ernie in Georgia. Welcome to the Glenn Beck program. Hey, Mr. Harris. Thank you very much. I thank you very much for your commentary, too. I can see very well you're a historian, too. And I just want to share a couple of items that I think can influence the perceptions of our nation. Um, and that is with James Armistead at Yorktown, who was the 007 spy that brought the intelligence to Lafayette, Marquis de Lafayette, who was the ally from France, who passed it on to George Washington and all that we could be time properly to um, get the victory at Yorktown against the British in 1781. You don't hear that widely shared. That's the fact. There's no spin of what happened. And not only that, but then Bunker Hill, we got outstanding patriots, Peter Salem, Salem Poor, who happened to be black. They saved the day. But where do you read that in commentary? You're bringing up so, early excellent <laughs> points. 
excellent in excellent examples of our shared history. I think we lost Ernie. That would Thank promote you. unity if you got that publicized frequent enough. That would bring the unity. Well, you know what? And thank you very much for the call, Ernie. I agree with you. It would promote unity. I do believe that if we understood our shared history, it, it, it would, it would give people pause. One of the things that I like to do on Memorial Day is talk about, you know, the, or, the origins of Memorial Day because a lot of Americans don't realize that that was started in the South by former slaves, by freed slaves who dug up uh, uh, Confederate, I'm sorry, dug up Union bodies that were like thrown into a mass grave and then reburied them and then had a huge ceremony which included preaching and children and white roses and they turned the old track, the old racetrack that was destroyed during the war, they used that as the burial ground and it started a tradition but when you had some Northerners, uh, 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 journalists found out about it, you know, because it, it appeared in the New York Times, I do believe they buried it. And they started a different tradition. So you had two different Memorial Days going on for a long time, one for the North and one for the South. <laughs> and it didn't come together until a researcher Uncovered, uh, uh, uncovered this like about 15, 20 years ago. And so every Memorial Day, I share this because we have a shared history. Yes, we have racial angst. Yes, we have isms. Yes, we've had problems. As people come from all over the world, they brought their mess with them. But we found a way to work it out. We found a way. It is only recently, I have to tell you honestly, that all of this stuff has been brought up, brought back, and just, just, just. And it's for a reason. It always amuses me. It amuses me when I see the left uh, complain about who they are, think are white supremacists and ignore the exact same sentiment on the other side. My name is James T. Harris, sitting in for Glenn Beck. This is the Glenn Beck Program. You're listening to Glenn Beck. My name is James T. Harris. We're sitting in for Glenn Beck, this is the Glenn Beck program. Uh, I have to tell you that as much as I don't want to talk about it, we didn't really get into it that much today, but we're going to get into it tomorrow. We're going to take a couple of deep dives with the whole impeachment uh, uh, dive. Oh, yes, I will be filling in for Glenn Beck again tomorrow. I'm sorry, I forgot to tell you that. And we're going to take a deep dive into FISA. We're going to take a deep dive into impeachment and just how, I mean, really down the rabbit hole this stuff goes. We're also going to talk about Space Force, which is something that is ridiculed on both sides of the aisle. But you know what? Space Force is really kind of cool what the president is trying to do and what he's trying to combat. What if the Senate held an impeachment and nobody came? That's where we're going to go tomorrow because it's just too much. It's too much fun. We're also going to talk about how the Democrats, I don't know if you notice this, the Democrats are having like a one night stand with the founders. The Democrats, they'll start quoting the Constitution. They'll start quoting, talking about the founding fathers, waxing poetic. These are the very same Democrats that want to get rid of the Electoral College. 
but they're all about impeachment. They won't tell you that really treason is the only thing you can really go after here. They won't do that. They hand over empty articles because they, they're based on, based on, well, nothing and they know it. But that's the extent, uh, I should say, that's where we are in this country right now uh, with politics. We have one party that truly could not accept the fact that President Trump won. That's what it comes down to. That's what we're watching. That's what we're battling. And unfortunately, there are no guarantees of how this thing is going to turn out. That is why it's very important for us to understand where we're getting our information from, to speak truth to power, to speak truth to ignorance, and to do it with love in our heart. Tis the season. And we could just take a page from our Lord and Savior, whose birthday we worshipped yesterday. Oh, my goodness. People hated him. And why did they hate him? Well, because he sort of overturned the, the card, didn't he? He did not support the establishment. <laughs> not at all. His teachings uh, uh, challenged the establishment to the point where they started breathing murderous threats against him. James C. Harris, are you trying to say that President Trump is like Jesus? No, I'm not trying to say that. But what I'm trying to say is hate is not very imaginative. It's not imaginative at all. And it's easy to spot. And it's disturbing. When you encounter it, when you encounter true hate, it's disturbing i don't care what your ethnicity is i don't care how you identify gender wise when you are confronted with hate there's no mistaking it and that's what we're seeing oh and jesus taught us how to confront hate too didn't he and far too many of us hold on to it and we let it define who we are we can't do that I would like to invite uh, uh, Americans to pour out cups of sorrow. I would uh, invite, invite Americans to not, not let past hurt and not let past isms define them. Oh, I pretty much can guarantee I'm going to hear from people who are, I, I, I consider haters. I've already started to hear from them. And your comments are welcome. Why? Been there, done that. You don't define me. No. And I'm sitting in for Glenn Beck. <laughs> yes! <laughs> I've had a great time with you guys today. Thank you so much for your comments. You can follow me on Twitter at James T. Harris. You can also check me out on my Facebook page. That's James T. Harris Media. I got Instagram and all kinds of stuff, but you got, you, you, you'll find me. You will find me. I appreciate the comments today. I appreciated the calls. Fear not, my friends. Fear not. Oh, we serve a mighty God. And we live in a fantastic country. Don't ever take that for granted. James C. Harris filling in for Glenn Beck. This is the Glenn Beck Program. You're listening to Glenn Beck.